97X. Band the future of rock and roll. Donktini, episode 30. On today's show, Simone interrogates Stephanie about her stretch marks. Stephanie shares a story of human resources harassment. And you won't believe which fast food restaurant causes a salmonella outbreak. Okay, it's Taco Bell. And now, here are your hosts, Simone Turkington and Stephanie Drury. Hello, Stephanie. How are you, Dong? I'm Dong very well. How are you, Dong, Simone? I'm Dong very well. I'm drinking a Pim's cup at the moment. Well, I think, is it a Pim's cup if it's just Pim's and ginger ale? I haven't put anything else in it. Oh, I don't know, because I haven't had a British person make it for me. <laughs> people who've been to England make them for me, and they call them Pim's Cup, but they also call it, like, um, a jug of Pim's or something, if you're going to put it in a pitcher. Is that what oh. they call it? I don't know. Well, when you've had those, have they, like, got you fucked up, or is it just, like, a nice yes. drink? All right, I yes, think there's something quick. wrong with the bottle that I have, okay? Oh, because it's not doing anything? Well, no, because I, can't, I, had it, I got it on Monday... And I had some that night, and it was just a nice drink. I was just barely, barely buzzed, so I could have driven. It was so slight. And I was like, okay, and I just kept making them with, like, so many shots. The one I'm drinking right now has nearly four shots in it. (laughs) But it's because it doesn't do anything, so I'm making it in a tall glass, like a long, tasty drink, you know, so... But it's not doing anything, so that's why I put I've put nearly four shots in it. So it's a tall glass. Oh, what's that? What's the alcohol percentage? It says twenty five percent. Hmm. Yeah, I don't understand it. Uh, it reminded me when I was having it. It kind of reminded me of like champagne mixed with a gin and tonic. Mm. <laughs> it seemed like a hybrid between those two. But I hadn't thought of that. I super liked it. I really like to taste it. I don't want the ginger ale to overpower it. So. Mm. Does it remind you of gin at all? That's what it tastes like. No, it's like its own flavor. Bit. I think it's its own hmm. Pim's flavor. But I mean, if this isn't gonna, if this, I can't believe it's not giving me about. Last night I had five shots um, over the course of two drinks, and it just really, really didn't oh, do right. much of anything. Yeah. So. That's weird. Yeah, and it's a brand new bottle. You know, the alcohol shouldn't have evaporated. I'm thoroughly confused. If any readers have any information about PIMS and its potency, did you please. say readers? I did say readers. Listeners. God, maybe it is working. That's true. <laughs> well, people read the blog page, and they that's do. how we interact with them on there too. That so. is, but they're listening that's to fair. me now. So yeah, listeners, if you have any information about the potency of PIMS, please leave a comment or call the voicemail and. Three two three three zero one dong and give us some information because I'm I'm confused but we'll see. I how think you should it. write them a letter and complain. Yeah, say this is not working for me. Okay, so now on Sunday, Stephanie, uh, I went to a show and mm-hmm. saw a bunch of comedians, um, and one of them told a joke. This guy Nick Flanagan, who I've known for about eight or nine years. Um, anyway, his whole set was quite great, but this one joke he told, uh, mm. <laughs> I'm saving to tell you. Oh, he oh said, I'm quivering. If you can see me right now, I'm like jiggling I'm, around. I'm concerned <laughs> about my penis size. It's been sighing a lot lately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> I just love picturing this little penis going. <sighs> and it made me think of, you know, in uh, Bruno. When yes, you know, that's exactly what I was thinking of yes, as well. Yes. The penis it like swings exactly around and around and around and then it stands up straight and goes <laughs> out of the Bruno. little hole. It's like oh, it's the best. When that when I saw that part in the theater, I fell on the floor. I was laughing so hard. And I think that's the only time I've ever done that in a movie theater. Oh, it was amazing. I think I thought my head was going to burst. It was just the best thing ever. Anyway, that's why I loved this joke so much, because I'm just picturing this sad little penis going. <sighs> Such a fabulous visual. So I wanted to share that with you and all of our listeners, penis size. <laughs> I'm seeing a cartoon series called that? Penis Size. <laughs> oh my. With a forlorn well, little wiener, little, little eyes and furrowed brow. Aww. Well, the furrowed brow. I'm talking no. out of the pee hole. <laughs> <laughs> The furrowed brow, is that just far back pubes or are they separate? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I meant like um, the little sad eyebrows that they oh. draw on cartoons that show that you're sad. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. The downturn. <laughs> yes, yes. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> now, uh, just an hour before we were set to record, we already sort of had our show roughly planned out. And I was alerted to some very, very timely, very current, very fresh Taco Bell news! Think outside the bun. <laughs> okay. You say it with such glee and abandon every time. I love it. Because I'm so excited every time. So You are. <laughs> infectious. can feel well, it. Thank you. Well, speaking of infectious... <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, here's the thing. Just before Greg was just going out and he said... Oh, so did you have Taco Bell for lunch today? I was like, as a matter of fact, I did. And then he told me that today in the news it was revealed that I guess this happened Uh last October, but it was only identified as restaurant chain A, um, and there was a large salmonella outbreak. But today it was revealed that it was, in fact, Taco Bell. So I guess in October and November of last year, at least 68 diners were sickened across 10 states. Really? <laughs> I just love that stated that way. It just sounds like a like a spree of salmonella, you know. Oh, yeah. 68 diners sickened across 10 states. It's like somebody <laughs> being at large. Um, so the 16 states included, uh, there were 16 cases, sorry, in Oklahoma and 43 in Texas. So Lord. Yeah, so... Um, what food? What part of the food was it in? Like anything like the beans or the meat? Or did well, they say? Yeah, they said um, the Center for D- Disease Control uh, said that investigators were unable to narrow down which ingredient was problematic, saying that 94% of victims reported eating ground beef, 90% said they ate lettuce, and 77% had consumed cheese. So see, even us who are not eating the, the, uh, the beef... It sounds like we were at risk. So they, they still don't really yeah. know. So, but it's, you know, this was last year. It's contained. I don't see why I shouldn't have Taco Bell again next week. What do you think? Well, I like that they didn't tell anybody until 10 months after it happened. Well, I think it was, <laughs> Thanks, the, it was the, the, whoever was investing. I know, seriously. <laughs> I know, it's, it's like, while it's happening, shouldn't they tell people what it is so they can stop eating there? Yum, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I have, I, oh. I have a... 
another Taco Bell story that uh, that oh Tasty, listener Tasty, is going to call into the voicemail he's promised oh, to uh, to tell us about his uh, his working at Taco Bell. So I won't share it oh. now. We'll save it for another another installment of oh. Taco Bell news. Think outside the bun. You know what else? We should have Jonah tell us more stories about McDonald's. Because she told us the one about the bathrooms that one time. But I bet so many of her stories are so good. I know, I know. Maybe we eventually can expand the segment to just be fast food. You know, all fast food. But at the moment, it's I kind of like this being specifically about Taco Bell. Do you like that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like it's really calling them up and just, yeah. Well, it's the one place you and I both go to. Yes. You know, <laughs> with you being a vegetarian and me having no no ethics whatsoever. <laughs> food, except for the when it comes to Taco Bell meat, for some reason. But And yet we still both eat there, so that's funny. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess it's interesting. It's, it's, it's important for me as a Taco Bell uh, patron to stay aware <laughs> of the realities of what I'm doing. I don't need to report on McDonald's. I know it's fucked. I don't eat there. Ugh. But Taco Bell, it's important that it that the information comes across. Oh my god! What? <laughs> oh no, this picture of this Taco Bell, I thought it was the one near my work, but it's not. It's, but it oh. is in Burbank. It's in Burbank. That's why I was like, oh, is this my old Taco Bell before they demolished it and the rats fled? But no, it's the, not. The rats? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh boy. Um, now the other thing I wanted to ask you about, completely mm-hmm. moving on, is the mm. footprints poem. Oh, footprints poem. <laughs> Should I read it? Should did I you, read it? I did you grow it. up with it around? Well, I, I, I came. It came to me when I was about twelve years old. That was the first time I, mm-hmm. I, I heard it. Should I read it for the for the listeners? Yeah, let's okay. read it for the listeners. <clears throat> okay, the poem is titled "Footprints in the Sand." I thought it was just called "Footprints," but whatever. Hmm. The, the, the message, the words are the same. One night I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints, other times there were one set of footprints. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life, when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow or defeat, I could only see one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, You promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, you would walk with me always. But I noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there have only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why, when I have needed you the most, you have not been there for me? The Lord replied, The times when you have seen only one set of footprints is when I carried you. (laughs) So beautiful. So that was given to me when I was 12. Uh, for my but, confirmation like, on, on a bookmark because I think I had all, like a bookmark with that on it oh you had a bookmark no it was given to me like a little like a little wall hanging thing like a thick card oh, okay. with like a little frame piece stuck to it and a little cord so I could hang it somewhere and it was given mm-hmm. to me by my sponsor before my confirmation and I read it and I was just I just thought it was so amazing and beautiful and I really enjoyed the trick ending you know I was like yeah yeah the where was ending. he and then I was like whoa it was then that I carried you wow it was just so so intense I was just so you know moved and inspired it's a payoff by it. right there yeah it was a great payoff I was like whoa that's just it and it kind of excuses all the times when you feel like you know God's not there it, it like explained it sort of for a few years <laughs> So yeah, so what? How did you feel about it uh, uh, growing up? Um, I remember thinking, that's really cute and moving, and I want it to be true. 
which is kind of how I feel about it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I remember my my boyfriend and one of I've only when I want to say one of my boyfriends in college it's not like I had a lot of boyfriends I had exactly two at uh-huh. two different times but anyway Josh um, his grandma she, she was super Texas like she lived in Houston and she loved that poem and uh-huh. she had you know a, like a big like wooden kind of wall hanging that was 70s had like some kind of screen print on the shiny <laughs> lacquered wood you know what yeah. I'm talking about yeah, yeah. and I think it might have had a clock in the corners <laughs> oh yeah I totally know what you're talking about <laughs> And that, you know, beach scene with the footprints that was on it. And she thought that was the most beautiful thing ever. But I have tied in to this woman, as well as the footprints poem, I have the memory of her coming out of the bathroom and saying, that's the last time I'm eating Raisin Bran, filled that bowl up, had to flush it twice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. And Josh was humiliated of course <laughs> footprints in the diarrhea <laughs> what a combo so you have that entwined in your memory that's what I think of with footprints wow God, I'm so glad I asked <laughs> I know I don't know if I'd ever told you that story if you no. ask about footprints <laughs> no gosh what a remarkable story oh. <laughs> Horrifying. So anytime. So like even a- when I said right away, when I said I want to talk about the Footprints poem, you thought of that. Yes, I was like, oh, this is going to be perfect for Don Tini. <laughs> <laughs> right up our sorted alley. Yes. So. Right down her sorted alley. <laughs> <laughs> Last oh. time I'm eating the Raisin Bran. Oh, God. <sighs> oh Bran. yeah. Anyway. Um,. So what made you think of Footprints? Did you see it? Did you run across it I don't even remember, but I I don't know why it popped into my head at some point. I mean, all week I've just been opening our our document and jotting everything down that popped into my head. So I don't know how that came about, but yes, but just, you know, so into it and I just wanted to discuss. And how important is it in, in Christian culture? It's, it's up there and it's kind of a, it was a seventies and eighties kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but I see that, um, you know, it made it all the way to Australia, so oh, yes. it's not exclusively American. <laughs> no. <laughs> or evangelical, because, you you know, this is Catholic confirmation that you got it for. No, no, so. this isn't Catholic, because I'm not Catholic, so this was a Protestant. Uh... At school, though, right? No, or... no, 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 because when, oh. when the confirmation was happening through school, I wasn't involved, because it was happening at a separate time oh. to when uh, when we did it in my church, so, yeah, okay. I, yeah. It's like I wasn't already unpopular enough. I also got isolated in all the religious activities that were going on. Because the Catholics, yeah, I know. Because like the Catholic kids, they all did their um, first communion when we were in grade three, so when everyone was eight. Mm -hmm. And I just, Mm -hmm. I just didn't go. And I remember the day after, my mom had taken me to school, and the teacher was like, "I noticed Simone wasn't at communion last night. Like it was just the weirdest thing that I wasn't at the commun, the first communion. You know, and all the girls wear those white dresses and all that weirdness. So, and I really wanted to do it." too don't you i'm not like sure if they did i'm not sure it's creepy yeah it totally i've is. seen a picture of madonna when yeah. she was eight at her confirmation with that veil on her head it's so, so anyway. it's very cute <laughs> but yeah but I, I really wanted to do it i remember kept asking my mom if i could do it because i just wanted to wear the white dress and all that it just was i was just into that part of it you know and i guess i yeah. wanted to participate in, in in the bread and the wine but just because it seemed like fun but yeah so in in our church we got conf- did the confirmation and the and the uh communion at the same day so and it was a year after everyone else had done confirmation so in the catholic school so there you go but uh um, footprints 
footprints. Jesus was carrying you, Simone, when you were alone in the room while everyone else was at their confirmation. Thank you. Of course he was. I didn't need to be drinking his blood. Well, you he was were feeling alone. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see one day. You'll look back and see. I will. <laughs> According to the poem. <laughs> exactly. It'll all make sense. Oh, boy. Now, you have some uh, funny stories from Bill in San Francisco. Oh, my God. Everybody needs... What was that? An excited squeak. Oh, yes. Everybody (laughs) needs a Bill learned in their life because he's... Okay, I don't know how old he is. I want to say he's in his 50s, but because he looks really good. He grew up whatever in San Francisco he was a teenager in San Francisco in the 60s so he's got to be older than 50 but he's like he's pretty like Richard Gearish type and yeah. he's hysterical and demented and today's his birthday actually Groundhog Day happy so, birthday um, I don't know if he'll ever hear this but I asked his permission to tell his stories because Excellent. he sends me what I like to call art artisanally crafted emails like these stories mm. I think Carrie came up with that because she's like a big fan of his and I always send her his stories so He's got a million crazy stories, and I um, asked him to to type one up for me. Excellent. And so this story is is titled, The Final Straw for Our Human Resources Director. (laughs) And it begins, There was a period of time in the late 70s where I drove a delivery van for Teledyne out of Palo Alto. Did I say that right? Yes. Anyway. Low pay, enormous freedom. (laughs) I might have one delivery all day. Nobody seemed to care. These were happy times. I explored every town, beach, location in the Bay Area on company time and gas. Had some adventures, too. A typical day would start out with a joint on the way in. I'd load up a van and hit the road, smoke another joint as soon as I was out of sight. At 10 a.m., I'd get a big mouth quart of Coors, and if I had them, chase down a couple of Whitey's or Benny's or Speed with the Coors. And so the day progressed. (laughs) Suddenly, out of the blue, there was a human resource director employed at our company. In the past, we had a personnel department, but with this new title, I suspected did not bode well for our loose behavior, meaning me and all the other stoners at work. (laughs) Sure enough, a dress code was implemented within a week, followed by guidelines on workplace behavior, especially in regards to various forms of harassment. (laughs) I personally believe I invented forms of harassment that are now the basis for sordid reality shows today, but I digest. The director was a trim blonde woman in her early 30s. Ilsa Wicked Warden of the Third Reich, I called her. (laughs) She drove a trim little Mercedes and had this smug fucking smirk on her face. Unless I imagined it. I just hated what she was doing, not having yet caved into the corporate dogma. Had a few minor scrapes, but was mostly off the radar until I wrote what I believed to be a hilariously inept love letter from this dorky stockroom guy to this Rubenesque girl in accounting. (laughs) Phrases such as, I yearn to feel of your mammalia. (laughs) Shit like that. (laughs) Anyway, I wound up in her office denying the whole thing. Everybody knew I did it, but there there was no hard evidence and Ilsa was steaming. She was really out to get me. Instead of laying low like any normal person would do, I decided to up the ante. The other stoner in shipping had somehow come into the possession of a pile of blank stickers the size of bumper stickers. <laughs> blank bumper stickers, a prankster's dream. <laughs> I... <laughs> it so is. 
I got a black sharpie and immediately set to work making stickers that said things like, I'm proud to be a gay Iranian and I heart nude Negroes. <laughs> When I got back from my rounds that night, I slapped on the back of that little Mercedes. I don't remember why she didn't see it. She was backed in, maybe? It was winter and dark? All I know is a couple of us watched in a state of ecstasy as she drove off with that bold statement on her bumper. <laughs> this, this story ends real fast. The next morning, the Mercedes screeched into a parking space. Ilsa stormed in, quit, cleared out her desk, and was no more. Victory was mine. It almost seemed too quick. I almost felt a slight bit of guilt. Almost. <laughs> As I wrote this, I thought of a lot of other episodes from the delivery days. At present, I'm in Georgia World Congress Center waiting for these lazy and mentally challenged people to locate and load my trucks. I am at their mercy. I am out of memory. There may be many typos in the above because I can hardly see for some reason. I will communicate again soon. Ben Dover. That's how he signed it. <laughs> That's so awesome. Uh, but he has a lot of, like, like freaky drug and sex stories too that I'm gonna get him to tell. Excellent. So I can report to you. Yes, please do. That's so great. Um, at Yay. the very beginning, when you used the word artisan, uh, artisanal, uh huh. Uh, you reminded me. I read something recently that the word artisan and artisanal has been completely debased because really. Well, because Jack in the Box and every shitty chain calls their bread artisan bread you know i went to quiznos oh. a few days ago and it's like try out artisan bread it's like you know it's not so it's yeah, it doesn't mean anything anymore so like yeah. the word literally well that's just misused i think you know i guess no i guess it's, uh. i guess it is the same it is the same yeah literally is just being misused but i guess People are using it so much that it, you don't want to use it to describe something that actually is artisan because it just doesn't—it doesn't have the weight because every every yeah. shitty restaurant's using it. But literally, if someone uses literally incorrectly, then they just sound stupid. Like I, I literally like shit day. my pants. <laughs> wow, um, that sucks. You literally shit your pants, so you had to go home, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> then you didn't literally shit your pants. Uh, I hear someone misuse it like every day, probably. Wow. <laughs> I'm so much better than them. <laughs> I'm literally better than You're them. You're literally better than them. <laughs> now, um, a couple weeks ago, I, I can't remember, I can't even find the site again, but I found some website talking about embracing stretch marks and loving stretch marks. Oh, dear. And I didn't know about this whole subculture of women who are just in love with their stretch marks because wow when i i didn't either yeah well good then i look forward to your input because when i think of childbirth you know there's several things that scare me about it and you know at the end of the day you're stuck with stretch marks and that really concerns me not always i know not i will because i already have them like on my on the sides of my hips and all so i know i'm uh, stretch mark prone so i have no qualms that i'm going to be riddled with stretch marks when, uh, huh. when the baby's uh, on the way. So how do you feel about them having gone through them? Do you have them? I do. And it, they do piss me them? off because <laughs> fuck no. Um, like most of my friends, I feel like didn't get them at all when oh, they were really? pregnant. And annoying. my friend Karina, she was actually, she did like modeling, like actual full on like cover of Italian Vogue modeling. And she was, oh. you know, super skinny. And um, she was 
when she was pregnant, she only got stretch marks on her boobs. Oh. I was like, perfect. You know, of course. Like yeah. you, of all people, would, would get them there. Yeah, that sucks to be you. So, um, yeah, they're not fun. And Judah's like, he's like, oh my god, mom. <laughs> he's like, I'm so sorry. I was like, no, you were worth it. He's like, uh-uh. No, I wasn't. <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> I know. So sweet that he would give his life so you could not have stretch marks. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet and adorable. Wow. I think I kind of remember feeling bad about them too when I saw them on my mom. I was like, that's because of me. It's really unfortunate. <laughs> but um, oh. but yeah, but a lot of these women saying like they love their stretch marks. It's all like these are these are my baby marks. This is how I got my baby. This shows I'm oh, a mom. God, is that it's what like, they're saying? Yeah. I have to see this website. Yeah, I w- I'll try and find it again. But it's like this shows that I'm a mom. It's like no, the kid shows that. No. You have the, the kid, kid walking exactly. around. <laughs> that shows that you're a mom. See that kid walking around? Yeah. <laughs> That's enough. Why do you have to destroy your body and be happy about it? You've got the kid. Just say you can. I understand accepting it and all that, but loving it—it's like no, nobody wants that. Uh, That's just like a social communist agenda. Like, like that's that's posters of Chairman Mao everywhere, like trying to muster up some kind of fake enthusiasm for something that you actually hate. Exactly. (laughs) Such bullshit. I'm all for acceptance. Stretch marks are your benevolent dictator. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh boy. Well, thanks for sharing. I'm so glad I asked because that Judah thing is so cute. Oh, <laughs> I think it's cute that you felt bad too. I think that I was just like, yeah, I do <laughs> Well. <laughs> and the other gross thing that I heard of, which is gross in an entirely different way, is Ooh. man buns. <laughs> Apparently. This is what happening. Men wearing their hair in in a bun. I do not oh, approve. Oh, I've seen that. Are they like Princess Leia buns, you mean? Or just one bun on the one top of their head like a samurai? Top. One Like, like a samurai. sumo wrestler? Yeah, 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 that kind of bun. But it's just like huh. stupid, bearded hipsters wearing it, you know? Yeah. It sounds disgusting. I even hate when guys, like when hippies, when, when they have their hair in one braid, I don't like it. When they have it in two braids, oh, <laughs> I cannot think of anything worse. On guys or girls? On guys. No, girls, it's fine. It's cute. But on guys, when they have it in two braids. Have you ever seen a guy with two braids where he doesn't have a beard also? I'm totally racking my brain. And the first time, and maybe the only time (laughs) I've seen that, was this guy I knew when we first moved to Seattle. So it was like 99. And he played didgeridoo and had two (laughs) long braids and a giant beard. So that makes he's total stereotype right there. Wow. See, the beard goes with it. Oh, fuck. And he's playing the fucking didgeridoo on top of everything. <laughs> the visual is so horrifying. Oh, my God. Uh, now, I wanted to talk about um, The Iron Lady, the movie. Had you heard? You said you hadn't heard that this even existed. I haven't even heard of that. Okay, uh-huh. so there's a movie out called The Iron Lady about Margaret Thatcher, and Meryl Streep oh. plays Margaret Thatcher. Oh. And I saw an ad, okay. a trailer for it, and I was like, oh, that looks really good. And, you know, she looks so much like her, and she's really mm-hmm. getting the character down. I'm like, that looks great. And then uh, I said to her, I want to go see the Iron Lady. And then he's like, oh, I think I have a screener. And then he was holding a pile of, of, of mail, and it just fell onto the floor like 30 seconds after Ooh. I said it. So I was like, yay, let's watch it right away, because it was just too perfect, because I just said it. So we put it yeah. in, and 
the first of the first 30 minutes, I would say 85% of it is Margaret Thatcher as an old lady with Alzheimer's, just puttering around and talking to a dead husband. Like there is it 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 takes so long. Like they just showed these long, long scenes of her being old and senile. It's like, why aren't we getting to the actual story of her life but no they just show her and i'm not exaggerating when i say that much like in of the, the notebook of it. yeah it's ridiculous so and it's so bad and uh and then when you finally get to the scenes of of of, of margaret thatcher's rise to power they just seem really cartoonish and like hoo, 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 look at me standing up to the oh, no. rowdy men in parliament it just it, it it just seems a little more feel-good and whimsical rather oh. than how really fucking hard and wearing that would yeah. be on a woman you know i was i'd really much prefer it captured that so it was really yeah. ridiculous and then greg read a review which was so accurate was like could you imagine if they made a movie about reagan and it was 50 percent of him being old with alzheimer's could you imagine that would never happen it's like this thing where they're Seriously. happy to, to portray a woman as well she was really strong but ultimately she's just a weak old lady you know it's just oh it was unbelievable i just couldn't believe they devoted that much time to it wow. so i could we couldn't even finish watching the movie we stopped after about 45 yeah. 50 minutes because like this is fucked so yeah so listeners do not see that's disappointing too yeah they usually do good things with meryl streep like if you got meryl streep like you usually have a pretty good script maybe i think yeah that script was like i could understand somebody writing it and you know with some kooky idea for the film but that's where the buck stops and then and then and then the next person that reads it's like well we need to change this heavily and then it just gets chopped to pieces until it becomes a reasonable film but it went through every stage of the process i cannot even understand it it boggles my fucking mind so yeah wow. i'd say it's almost and unwatchable is this up why, why do you guys have a screener of it is it nominated for anything um yeah she's nominated for best actress but oh, it's not okay, nominated but at least the picture film. isn't okay yeah so well, that's good so that's why i think she needs the nomination it's she hasn't had her due she hasn't been nominated enough. no no <laughs> hollywood is yet to recognize this great talent seriously <laughs> <laughs> um, now you were going to share some roommate stories. Oh yeah, because we were IMing about reality bites, and I was telling you that um, I saw that movie probably thirty times my sophomore year in college because my roommate had it on yeah. VHS. This is before I guess the scientists invented DVD. <laughs> <laughs> Nineteen ninety-five, and she had this big, you know, box full of X Files tapes and, and movies and. <laughs> she would tell me she wrote 25 cents on the side of the cardboard box and said that I <laughs> each one would be 25 cents each time I watched it what a bitch did you even like, like get along with a dollar can I get four <laughs> I don't think I ever paid her oh good I was gonna ask what a crock of shit did you like get along with her otherwise or <sighs> she no she was <laughs> well the thing is like i can get along with anybody like i got along with her like we never fought i've never fought with a roommate right but um i would just hide in the tall brush and observe them <laughs> <laughs> and then stay out of their way as much as i could so um she was what was her deal she was an art major and she would put on her headphones and listen to Liz Fair and paint like mm-hmm. like pictures of flower pots, like things like that. So, and I was like, "Wow, you're paying how much a semester? To, are you learning anything about art?" Anyway, um, 
so after her, I had a roommate named Julie who was from Plainview, Texas, and which I thought was a hilarious name for a town. Like who would name it? <laughs> but it was it was out in the handle, and she had a Mustang that was red, and the license plate said "Pony Up." Wow. <laughs> And she got it from that that Luke Perry movie about rodeos or cowboys. Oh, or eight seconds. Called eight seconds, and like I could never because I was I'm so was not so not into cowboys kickers. We call them shit kickers or kickers. Uh-huh. Um, I was just not into that culture at all, and I could never remember the name of the movie. I would call it nine seconds, and she would get really mad. At me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I guess he would say pony up in it, and so she put that on her license plate and. Wow. Um, one time she called me from the drunk tank and was like, can you unlock the door when I <laughs> And I was so shocked that I forgot to unlock the door. And she's like, and she was pounding on the door and I go, does that remind you of last night at all? <laughs> she didn't think that was funny at all. So. But anyway, that was in college. Okay, so after I graduated college, I moved to Dallas for a little while and um, I moved in with like a friend of like I guess my parents knew her somehow and she was a little bit older than me and she was a computer programmer and her name was Lynn and she would wear Winnie the Pooh shirts and tuck them in you mean <laughs> like every day for her day clothes this isn't t-shirts. her nightwear no she wore it to work oh. I was like what she would wear and then <laughs> as soon as she would get home she would take off her pants <laughs> But don't you take off your it's pants a, when you get home? Yeah, but not if someone's there. Like, yeah. <laughs> not if my room, this person who just moved into my house. Like, yeah, no. There. Anyway, no. you've never walked around um, pantless when I've been visiting. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, kind of hurts my feelings. I like to feel like I'm one of the yeah, family, but I guess what? not. It's <laughs> a true test. David always tells me he goes, "Your pantlessness knows no bounds." <laughs> <laughs> I hate wearing pants, but anyway. I love that time when Lolly uh, was crying and he sa- he texted you and said, Lolly's just like her mother, inconsolable and without pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I memorized I loved it so much. <laughs> I'm glad you remembered that. I forgotten about that. But the pantsless roommate... <laughs> got me out of bed one night well it wasn't that late it was probably like 10 but I was already asleep and she woke me up and she goes I want to show you something and there was like a smudge of chocolate on the wall in the kitchen like where I'd been cooking or something Uh she's like I need you to clean this up and I got it was just like a little smudge right Uh and so I got a rag wiped it off put it back and she's like every so often I find something like that and I'm I think I moved out like a month after that. Oh, she woke you up for this. <sighs> she woke me up for that. Oh, unacceptable. It's nuts. Yeah. Totally God. nuts. That's all I got for now, but I'll have to think because I've had like six or seven roommates, I bet. Yeah. In college. So. I've had none, so. I'll have to think of more. I went from my sister to, to Greg, so yeah. But I always wanted one. I always felt like I've missed out on this period of just dealing with all that shit, you know, even though I know it's. Can, it's mostly bad. I kind of just kind of long to have the experience almost, you know? Yeah.
but yeah. It's an experience. Definitely. <laughs> So, uh, so I guess uh, I guess we should wrap things up now. Thank you all for listening. Visit dongtini.com for any supplementary material. Now, this time I actually wanted to introduce our closing song. Stephanie, we're always pandering to your Jesus freak listeners, so let's pander to my Mr. Bungle fan listeners. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so I saw Secret Chiefs last Friday, which is Trey from Mr. Bungle's project, and it was awesome. Uh, and they were selling a seven-inch single, which they've done, which is a cover of, uh, I guess it was a French song first, La Chanson de Jackie. And Scott Walker did a cover as well, which is the one I knew before this. And now on this cover, Mike Patton is doing vocals on it, which is the closest thing to a bungle reunion us geeks are going to have for a long time. So here it is, La Chanson de Jackie by Secret Chiefs 3 with Mike Patton. So until next time, bye Stephanie. Bye Simone. should become a singer with a Spanish bum who sings for women of great virtue. I'd sing to them with a guitar I bought from a coffee bar. Well, what you don't know doesn't hurt you. My name would be Antonio, and all my bridges I would burn. And when I gave them some, they'd know I'd expect something in return. I'd see though I'd be drunk as I could be Still I would sing my song to me About the time they call me Jackie If I could be for only an hour If I could be for an hour every day If I could be for just one little hour Cute, cute, in a stupid ass way Join the social world, became procurer of young girls, and I would have my own bordellos. My record would be number one, and I'd sell records by the ton, all sung by many other fellows. My name would then be Handsome Jack, and I'd sell boats of opium, whiskey that came from Trickenham, authentic queers and phony virgins. If I had banks on every finger, finger in every country, and all the countries ruled by me, I'd still know where I'd want to be. Ah. Inside my opium den, surrounded by some Chinamen, I'd sing the song that I sang then. Celle de Don, où je m'appelle Thank you.